church, even though we're not meeting here uh, every Sunday morning. Well, again, this is a Palm Sunday, and Palm Sunday, one week before Easter Sunday. I've seen a lot of memes going around, as you probably have uh, on Facebook, that said, you know, so what if the church is empty? The Easter still comes because the tomb is empty. You know, and that's what it's all about. When it comes down to Easter, the idea that Jesus got up and he walked out of that tomb. Well, again, today, Palm Sunday, and, and today, if you look back in Scripture, this is the day, one week before Jesus would be, uh, be resurrected, he came into Jerusalem, and it's really the only time in his ministry that people gathered as a whole group and worshipped him as king, as savior king. Um, you know, a crowd gathered, they laid their palm branches and their cloaks across the road, and hundreds of people shouted, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Again, this was actually, I don't know if you know this, but this was an event that was a fulfillment of prophecy. It's talked about in Zechariah 9.9 and Isaiah 62.11. And in Zechariah 9.9, and this is interesting, and this goes... You know, for those who would uh, be naysayers of the Bible or talk about the Bible not being real, it has been shown that the Bible, all of the people who wrote and penned the original texts of the Bible, this was done uh, many hundreds of years apart. And, and actually, in Zechariah 9.9, this is where we find the prophecy of the king coming, riding a donkey colt into Jerusalem. And this was written, Zechariah was written about 520 B.C., so over 500 years before the birth of Christ. And, and this a prophecy is talking about the Savior King riding into Jerusalem on a donkey colt. And, and Jesus fulfilled that prophecy um, several hundred years later after it was written on Palm Sunday. Now, palm branches are symbolic of a final victory, and Jesus would, of course, one week later conquered death and the grave. You know, we've got so much to be thankful for. You know, Jesus, our Savior King. And so as we gather here virtually as a church, we are reminded of what Jesus did and that he indeed is our Savior King and the victory that he gives us over death and the grave. And those are the things that we are reminded of here on Palm Sunday. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we began this series called Covered by the cross. And the, the idea was to keep the message of the cross central in our lives, that Jesus died for our sins on Calvary. The message, we started off a couple weeks ago, the message for the masses, that this message is for everyone. Everyone needs to hear and to know this message of hope, this message of love, this message uh, of security and peace that comes through Jesus Christ, that Jesus uh, died for our sins, that he did it so that we might live, so that we might could be saved and no redemption from our sinfulness. You know, that same message that we talked about that's for the masses, it's also a personal one. Jesus took our place on the cross. He paid the sin price himself, and we should take that personally. And today, we want to finish it up with a message called Unbroken. You know, we live in this world that is broken. It's filled with sin and corruption and a world that is uh, pretty much out of harmony with God's design. If you think back to the book of Genesis when God created the heavens and the earth, and we read that account, you know, it was paradise on earth, and that's how God created it. But when the original sin comes, then the world's now broken. And, and not just people. Sin didn't just enter into our lives. It wasn't just the sinfulness of people, uh, but it was the fact that the whole world was now out of balance. Everything that God created in this synchronous, natural harmony 
is no longer there. It is now broken. So we live in a very broken world, not just the people, but you know, and all you got to do is look around you and see the, the corruption, the crime, and just the craziness. And especially right now with this pandemic going on, we're reminded of just how broken this world that we live in, how broken it really is. And we know that God's design is one of perfection, one of harmony, and, and God is a God of, of order. But the world is filled with chaos because of sin that has taken its control toll and continues to worsen in this world. And yet, you know, the thing about it is that God still loves his creation. No matter how broken we are, no matter how broken this creation that he created out of his love and out of his mercy, he still loves the creation. And the thing is that God is in the business of offering up grace and love and mercy. And he loves us. He loves you. He loves me. He wants to take our brokenness and he wants to make something beautiful from it. Um, you know, that, that should give us hope. That should give us peace and, and it should give us strength. And, you know, right now, since it's been a few weeks, we've been having to stay at home, especially if you've got, you know, if you're home by yourself, this may not be a whole lot different than, than what things were before because you're, you're used to being by yourself and other than you can't find toilet paper and those kind of things and maybe you're ordering a few more things on Amazon than you ever did before. But still, you know, so, so maybe life hasn't changed, but, you know, for those with families or kids and, and now you're stuck at home, you can't really go anyplace and, and um, moms and dads who are trying to work and many of them trying to work at home now, some with essential jobs coming and going, you're trying to do all that, trying to entertain kids, trying to be a homeschool teacher and, and God bless the homeschoolers, right? Because you figured out what that looks like with all your kids running around and I know that in the midst of us moving this past week, we are, by the way, in our home at 5557 Burlington in Burlington or Regal Ridge Road in, in Burlington and uh, we are so excited to be there. Now, lots of unpacking still left to do but we are officially in uh, but it's been hectic and crazy and um, you know uh, bless Lisa because she's been trying to manage the chaos of all the kids and we have three extra kids with us now with the grandkids being here so you know manage a house of 11 people <laughs> and move and unpack and all that stuff at the same time it's a little nuts at our house just to, uh, we were all pretty grumpy the first few days of this week if you can imagine that but but still if you think about that kind of chaos everywhere and yet God loves us he wants to bring order out of the chaos and right now certainly everything feels very broken but God is still in control and, and maybe you feel helpless maybe you feel lost like the world's spinning too fast and you're pretty much ready to get off the world for a while well God has this. It's in his hand. None of this surprises him. Let's take a look at our focal passage from today, Romans 15, 13. And it says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And you know, that's where the name of, of our church, our faith family comes from, One Hope community church one hope there is truly one hope that comes from the one true god who loves us and who offers himself and that's where we find our joy that's where we find our peace and that's even in the midst of this craziness that's going on in this world around us won't you pray with me lord we thank you for your word we pray that for the next few moments our hearts and minds are open to you and as we turn to you we hear what you say to us. We hear how you speak to us through your word. Lord, I just pray that uh, you will help me get out of the way and, and that you will move your spirit and that 
uh, you will reach out and touch each and everyone who is hearing this message and watching this uh, video today. Father, it's uh, in Jesus' name we pray it all. Amen. And I forgot to mention up front that we do encourage you as you're watching, especially if you're live stream, uh, we, we like the comments. We'd like to see you check in. If you're out there watching, go ahead and, and, and send a comment or, or make comments or whatever. Some of you are really good at that, but we'd love to hear from everybody out there that is watching on live stream so that it, feel free to, to drop in your comments. And you can also, watching on Facebook, you can also check in. And uh, you can check in with One Hope Community Church. You don't have to physically be here you like Facebook would have you be, but, but still check in. We'd love to know who's out there, who's a part of what's going on with our live stream today. Well, as I said, this world is broken. But because of the cross, because of what Jesus did, it brings us a restoration. And we find ourselves being restored to that unbroken state. And this can only happen through the power of God, through the power of Jesus Christ. As we're reminded about the cross and what Jesus did when he offered himself up a living sacrifice... One of the things that we need to be mindful of is this, and that is that the cross opens the way to the throne. Back in the beginning, God established himself through the law. And the law, which was declared by God, said that there must be blood shed to pay for sins. In other words, those who were followers of, of the Lord had to give up something to pay for their wrongdoing, to pay for their brokenness, uh, because in seeking to live a righteous life and seeking to be Godlike. You know, we're not perfect. We're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. I do it all the time. Uh, but we know that God restores us and he brings us back around. The law said you had to have some blood sacrifice to pay for those sins. In Hebrews 9.22, it says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Now, it doesn't make a lot of sense to us. Why did God lay this down? He had his reasons. He had a reasons for establishing the law. But he said early on, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Now, think about that for a moment. What happens when you, uh, when you shed your own blood? You know, uh, I know that in all the moving, I have lots of extra scrapes and scraps and all this kind of stuff on my arms and hands and bruises to show for it. And, um, you know, when that happens, sometimes I'm in the moment, and I guess that adrenaline rush of picking up that big heavy piece of furniture or whatever, you don't realize you just scrape skin off your arm. Uh, but later on, it hurts. You know, you feel the pain. Now, you got something done, but you feel the pain, right? Well, anytime that there's blood, there's some pain involved. That means we're giving up something. Um, in this case, something had to die. Uh, in the Old Testament days, the animals uh, were, were brought when the blood sacrifice was required, the animals were brought and the high priest or the priests would sacrifice. They would kill that animal on the altar. That animal would cease to exist. And the blood it shed was the payment for the sin of that family. That was the law. God required these animal sacrifices. And, and these animal sacrifices provided a temporary covering of sins. And, and the reason I say temporary is because these sins had to be made over and over. I mean, these uh, sin sacrifices had to be made over and over again. But all of this would foreshadow the perfect and complete sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Because you see, when Jesus Christ went to the cross, he shed his blood. He died. But the thing about it is, is that it covered all the sin. All the sin that was before, all that was then, and all that was to come. Jesus did what only Jesus could do. You know, you go all the way back to the first sin of Adam and Eve, and a lot of scholars believe that, 
that there was actually a sin sacrifice here. If you go back to Genesis 3.21, it says, And the Lord made... Uh, the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Now think about that for a moment. You, you've got this perfect paradise. There was no death. There was no dying. There was no natural order of animals eating other animals. Everybody was living in harmony. Everything was living in harmony. But now we have sin, the sin of Adam and Eve. And now God makes for them these skins. That would indicate that there were animals involved, animals that once had life and were living and breathing and now have given up their life to cover the sin of Adam and Eve. This was the first blood sacrifice, and God instituted it. Mankind was required to again continue those animal sacrifices because it was only a temporary fix. There needed to be some kind of long-term fix, but it was only going to happen through Jesus. Now, when referred to as the perfect Lamb of God, that's, that's exactly why, because Jesus became that perfect sacrificial Lamb that paid the price for everyone in that moment. So the message of a cross shows us that Jesus himself opens the door to the throne of heaven. Jesus becomes our access. Jesus becomes the high priest. You see, again, back in the, in the days of the Old Testament, the high priest was the one who would intercede for the people. The high priest is the one, he was the only one allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, where it was believed that the presence of God lived within this inner room inside the temple. And only the high priest could go in there. The high priest was the one who prayed for the people. The high priest is the one who interceded for everyone. But Jesus became our access. And through Jesus, we ourselves have that access to the throne. Hebrews 4, 14 and 16 says this, Since then we have this great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Previously, the priests had access to God in the temple, the Holy of Holies, you know, that's where the, house, where the Ark of the Covenant was housed, and this was believed to be in the presence of God. Yahweh was in that, the Ark. And again, only the high priest could go in there, but all that changed at the cross. In Mark 15, 38, it says, And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That curtain of the temple, this was the, the big, heavy curtain that went across the front of the Holy of Holies, where again, only the high priest could enter. And that curtain ripped from top to bottom, so they couldn't say that, oh, well, someone ripped it from the bottom because if a person ripped it, it would be from the bottom up, but it ripped from the top down to say that only God could do such a thing. This was not anything that an individual, a person, could do. The veil was torn, separated the Holy of Holies from the inner court, and that became very symbolic of what Jesus' death did, because humanity, all of the people, now have direct access to the Father. We don't need an intermediary. We don't need to someone uh, to, who has to go between for us. Jesus is the only way, and it happened on the cross when Jesus gave up our, uh, his life so that we might live. So our first step to being unbroken is the fact that Jesus gave up his life and gives us direct access to the throne through what he did. You know, this is a God-given hope 
for humanity, isn't it? You know, aren't we all broken in one way or another? We're all broken. We all feel that brokenness. You know, even the people who seem to have it all together. You ever, you ever wondered, you know, you meet somebody and they think, man, they, they have, they've got everything. They've got their life together, their families together. Well, here's the thing, is that sometimes the people who have it, who seem to have it the most together, they also have the most to hide, you know? Sometimes we get really, put in, get really good at putting up facades and putting on, uh, wearing that mask and putting on a picture so that everyone who sees us thinks, oh, well, you've got the perfect family. Well, look, they're the power couple. They're, they're the one that everybody wants to be. But that doesn't mean that there's not turmoil inside. There's not turmoil going on, you know, behind the scenes. You know, I, I can certainly relate to that, you know, personally. I've, I've been there. I've, I've seen these things happen and know that sometimes on the outside, when it looks like they've got it all together, there's all kinds of stuff brewing under the surface. Everybody struggles. We're all broken and in a variety of ways. You know, it's in Jesus we can find the hope to recover from whatever has kept us in that broken state. Psalm 51.12 says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. You know, think about that for a moment. Have you truly pondered on what it means for Jesus to be our Savior what does salvation truly mean? First of all, what it saves us from is an eternity apart from God. But the fact that Jesus did what he did personally for us and brought us our salvation through his sacrifice. You know, we've all got junk to deal with. We've all got things going on, but God never goes anywhere. You know, sometimes we might be in the midst of a struggle, in the midst of our own inner chaos, whatever that looks like, and, and we try to pray, and we try to pray, and we just feel like God's not there. The problem is not that God went anywhere. The problem is that we've turned away, and because of the inner chaos that's going on underneath the surface for us, we have a hard time kind of focusing. So when we're praying, don't think that God anywhere went anywhere. He's still there. He's still listening. And, and eventually our spirit will kind of reconnect with his, and, and then we will... We'll realize he didn't go anywhere. But in the midst of all that, sometimes it seems like maybe he turned his back on us. But the scripture is very clear that God will never forsake us nor leave us. See, through salvation, we find the restoration in Jesus Christ. And that never goes away. Our, our brokenness is a part of us. We, we live in a broken state. Our brokenness is, is just that. But the thing is that God covers it. A while back, I was reading uh, through something, and I discovered this, this newsletter article. And it was about something that I had never heard of before, and it's actually a Japanese pottery technique. And, and it's called, and, and excuse me, my Japanese is not great, so uh, if I butcher this word, maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't. If you haven't, then it's perfect, okay? If you have heard of it, then maybe it's off a little bit. Uh, but anyway, the, the word is called kintsukuroi. It's, again, a Japanese word which roughly translates to mean golden repair. And basically what happens is that you have a piece of pottery that's broken. Uh, and the pottery is then repaired by taking a lacquer resin that's mixed with gold or silver powder so that that resin has a, a, a gold or silver, a bright colored um, appearance. And then so what happens, that, that resin then is applied to all the cracks and as the pottery is pieced 
back together, that object is then is dried and it's cleaned, and what happens is the cracks are then highlighted by these thin veins of metal running through its form. And you can, can see an example up over my shoulder here uh, of what that looks like. And so the breakage then and the repair become part of the object's history because it transforms it from something old into a new creation that shines brighter. So again, God, it's like us in our lives. God takes the pieces of our assorted brokenness and he puts us all back together and then he transforms in us into something even greater because we learn, we grow, and we then can minister to others through our own experiences. So it's like the restored peace becomes even greater than the original. But isn't that just like our loving Heavenly Father to take something dirty and ugly and turn it into something grand for his purpose and his design? That's, that's the God that we serve. That's our Heavenly Father. Another thing about the cross is that we need to understand in our brokenness that the cross itself is perfection. We already talked about how Jesus became the perfect sacrifice for us. And he did that for all time, once and for all. In Hebrews ten fourteen, it says, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. You see, God's perfect sacrificial lamb, sinless, spotless, and blameless. That is the God that we serve. Jesus offered us this perfect love through God because we're still sinners, but we find our justification at the cross in Jesus Christ. And so our brokenness then becomes unbroken. Romans 3, 23 through 25 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. We've all sinned. We've all made mistakes. Everyone, no one is, is immune to this thing called sin. And we've all made mistakes. And, and because, we all, because of that sin, we all come short of the glory of God. See, God is perfect. And so even if you lived a great life, and, and you really didn't sin much, but it only takes one. And think about that. It only takes one. And, and we're not talking about some big, huge sin, but it only takes one. It could just be some small sin. But only one sin takes us away, and now we're nowhere near the perfection that is God. God is our measuring stick, and there's nothing that we can do to measure up on our own. God took care of that, though, when he sent Jesus. Jesus makes it, when we, when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, uh, we, we become what Paul actually uses this term, justified. We become justified in our faith, and I like to think of that as justified as just as if I had never sinned. When we become justified, it's, okay, yeah, I'm a screw-up. I know I've messed up over here. Uh, but when I receive Jesus Christ now, when God looks at us, it's not our mess-ups that he sees. He sees Jesus in us, so it becomes just as if I'd never sinned. They're all covered by the cross. They're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, that's the only way that we find perfection. We can strive for perfection on our own, but it's, it's really difficult to achieve on our own. But through Jesus Christ, we can become justified. And our perfection, not of our own making, but through Jesus Christ, 
We make mistakes, but our sin is covered by the cross, by the grace of God. And through our justification, then, we continue to seek sanctification. And that's because of the perfection. There's a lot of shun words here. But sanctification means being sanctified, being set apart. Hebrews 10.10 says, And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. See, Jesus paid the price. He paid it once. We don't have to do it again. He doesn't have to go back to the cross. It's all done. When he got to the end of his time on this earth, and when you look at the final words from the cross, do you know the last thing? Remember the last thing Jesus said? When he looked up to the skies and he said, It is finished. He didn't say, it's, it's finished for now. He didn't say, okay, this part's over. No, he said, it is finished. The mission, the completion in Jesus' death, where Jesus gave up his life and paid the price once and for all. He did it for you. He did it for me. It's done. It's over. It is You see, living towards our perfection, uh, which becomes only through the sacrifice of Jesus on on the cross, means that we live a sanctified life, that we live a life set apart for service to God. See, we didn't get we didn't get justified so we can just sit and do nothing. We didn't get justified so we can sit back in, in our pews or right now, I guess, sit back in your, your comfy couch in your living room or your desk chair or wherever you're watching. We, we didn't get justified so we can sit back and say, God is good, hallelujah, everything's right with the world because I'm right with God and then not do anything. Now's a great time to be sanctified, to be set apart, to live out that mission that God has for you. Now is a great time to, to get up off your couch, put some clothes on, um, you know, and, and, and make some phone calls to uh, make some texts, make some contacts, reach out to people. You know, with this six feet of separation, something you can at least take a walk through the neighborhood and check on your neighbors. Just do it from across the street, do it from down the street, whatever. Uh, but you can check on people. Make sure that people are doing okay and, and show them the love of God. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's someone that you've never met before and, and maybe uh, you, you can't just you know, launch right in or don't want to just launch right into that, that um, you know, ask them about their salvation and all that kind of stuff. But you begin to build relationships. Let them, you can at least share your own uh, experience. I mean, one of the great ways about this is <clears throat> when you begin a conversation, you say, you know what? I say, I don't, I don't know how you're dealing, but let me tell you, my faith has my faith's made a huge difference in how I'm handling this whole thing. Uh, and and you, you, then you can give your own experience. You can give your own testimony of how your faith has helped you keep, keep strong. Your faith family has been supportive. And believe me, we are so thankful for our faith family here at, <clears throat> at One Hope, how you have prayed for us during this whole move and, and, and getting us, uh, my family, to be able to, to be where we are now. And as I said before, this is a, a total thing of God because we, we shouldn't even be where we are, but yet there we are. And, and how can that happen? The only explanation is that God has his hand on that. And, and, you know, why do things easy? Try moving during a pandemic. That's fun. So, you know, it's, uh, it's like, oh, we need this, we need that. Oh, we should get, and it's like, well, we really don't want to make unnecessary trips to the hardware store or, the, you know, wherever. So, uh, okay, well, it'll be fine until we can get there. But, but you know, it's, it's just amazing, though, to see 
God's faith family come together and support one another, pray for one another. Sometimes it's the physical action. Sometimes it's the, the spiritual help and the spiritual boost. But just to know people, you know, people have brought us food because of all the craziness. So it's like, here, walk up, sit on the driveway. Now I'll back up and you come get the food, you know, so we can all keep our distance. It's all been good. It's all been good. But, but we can still do those things. And it's about being the hands and feet of Christ in a world that so much needs to see the face of Jesus, especially right now, because my guess is there are a lot of people that are sitting back and they're going, what's going on? Why is this happening? Why do these things happen in the world? The short answer, the world's broken. The short fix is Jesus Christ. Now, now that doesn't make the, this coronavirus disappear and go away, but what it does is it brings us together in the face of difficulty and strengthens us that we truly do need each other. God created us to live in community. Even if you're an introvert, you still need community, okay? Just so you know, introvert doesn't mean being a hermit back there in your little, in, you know, in your cave and staying away from people. That may be most of the time, but we still need some support, and it's still good to, to be with other people, at least for a little while. So much, you know, as much as you can take anyway, and then you can go back to your cave. It's okay. But we still need each other. It's very important. So that's about living the sanctified life. And today, we have a great opportunity to continue to live Uh, towards our perfection, living in a sanctified life set apart uh, for service to God. You know, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. This is the world we live in, but that doesn't mean we have to be like everybody else. Uh, We live for a higher purpose. We live so that God's kingdom sees the increase. You know, it's not about us, and and as much as I would like to say, wow, you know, ever since I became pastor here at One Hope, and, you know, there were so many people, and now there's this many people that have been, oh, Chris, all that's out the window now, so, because um, I have no idea how many folks are out there live streaming at the moment, although we'll look at the numbers later, because that's what preachers do, but, but anyway, you know, it was like, ah, oh, we're, we're growing, we're seeing it, but the thing about it is, you know, One Hope, we could fill this place and have three services, and we could have 600 people through here on a Sunday morning, and that would be amazing, but you know what, the main thing is that what are we doing for the kingdom? Because it's not about growing One Hope Community Church. It's not about any individual church growing. It's about what are we doing for the kingdom. It's about what are we doing to share the good news of Jesus Christ. What are we doing to share God's love and God's mercy and God's faith with the world that so desperately needs to see the face of Christ? What are we doing to grow the kingdom? And, and so, yeah, this, this, we could grow numbers-wise here greatly, but if we're not doing anything for the kingdom, I would rather stay where we are and do something for the kingdom than to grow exponentially in physical numbers and do nothing for the kingdom because that means that we are not doing what God has asked us to do, that we are, as a church, are not living that sanctified life. We are set apart to serve God. So live for that higher purpose, covered by the cross. That's what happens when we let God put us back together and make something great out of our brokenness. We become unbroken so that God gets the glory because he's the only one that can do that for us. So let me ask you this morning, do you have assurance of your perfection in Jesus Christ? It's the only way we're going to be perfect. And that's to be covered by the blood. Do you know that perfection in Jesus Christ? Are you covered by the blood? Are you covered by the cross? You know, this message is for everyone. And I hope that wherever you are, however you're hearing this message today, 
that you will receive this message and that you will make it a point to live that life unbroken. You know, and another word for being broken is being flawed. And uh, one, one of my favorite Christian bands is, is a group called Mercy Me. And a song came out a few years ago called Flawless. And maybe you know the song. I'd encourage you to check it out. You know, Google it, look it up on YouTube, whatever, if you haven't ever heard it. Um, but but the, the song itself, and I've, and I've mentioned it before, but the song was very powerful for me because in a time of, of, of great difficulty in my own life, of great struggle, uh, this song came out, and I listened to it. As a matter of fact, the, the church where I was at the time, the, the praise band which I played in, playing, um, playing a part of, we did that song. And, and I remember just the first one Sunday, I guess it was the first or second Sunday we actually did this uh, for the congregation and encouraged the congregation to sing along. I just remember playing that, and just tears started coming, just streaming down my face because of the message of that song. You know, because at that time, because of the difficulty in my own personal life, I felt so broken. I just felt like the thing that I knew God had called me for was falling apart. And I felt like I was just chaos. It was felt totally out of control. And, and I just felt a struggle, this great tension of what I felt God wanted and, and where I was. And I just felt like I was so far apart. But then... And singing that song and listening to the words of that song, no matter the bumps, no matter the bruises. You know, here's the, the, the thing is, the truth is that the cross has made us flawless. We are covered by the cross. We, we, we go from brokenness to unbrokenness, from flawed to flawless. Christ covers us. And, and it, so the thing that I knew but was continuing to beat myself down because of my own struggles I was reminded of that day, and that song was just so powerful to me. God has made you flawless through the cross, through the message of the cross. So again, I encourage you to check out that song. Take a listen to it if you don't know it. Uh, but it, I found it, for me, especially uplifting in a time of a great difficulty in my own life. And so, so maybe you're in that place. Maybe you're struggling yourself, physically, spiritually, emotionally, whatever. I think if you let God... Have that part of you, then, and, and take a listen to that song or the message, just that message, what Christ can do to make you flawless, what Christ can do as he brings you back together and makes you into something of beauty out of your brokenness because of the cross, because of what Jesus did, because of that perfect sacrifice paying uh, for us once and for all. So again, I hope this morning you are certain of your perfection in Jesus Christ and that you feel confident in who you are because you are a child of the King. God loves you. God wants to restore you and God wants to bring you back so that you might be a better instrument to be used, to be played by Him for His service. So He gets the glory and His kingdom sees the increase. God is good. Next Sunday, Next Sunday is Easter Sunday, and although we won't be able to gather as a church family, I'm going to challenge you. Go ahead, get up, put on your Easter dress, your Easter bonnet, your Easter tie, whatever it is that you've got. Whatever you normally do for Easter, go ahead, get up. It's okay if you don't get to show it off. If you want to show it off, then take a selfie and, and text it some people or put it on Facebook. That's fine. But I'm just saying I encourage you to do that. 
and, and that we can come together as a faith family all ready for Easter, even if we have to do it virtually through, through technology. I'm just grateful that we can do that uh, and still meet as a, as a faith family this way. But I encourage you to do that. Get dressed for Easter and, and come to your kitchen or your living room or wherever it is that you are uh, live streaming next week. But we are excited to be able to do that uh, as a faith family. And even though we can't gather together, the tomb is still empty. Jesus is still on his throne, and he has done what no one else has done. When he conquered the grave, conquered death, and we get that victory because we claim Jesus Christ. So again, I hope that you will plan on joining us next Sunday at 10 a.m. This coming week is what's called Holy Week. I hope you'll take some time during your personal time to kind of meditate uh, on the sacrifice. You think about what happened on that Thursday when Jesus, uh, celebrating Passover, uh, met with his disciples, then went out to the garden, and then was betrayed by one that he was a, had. A, you know, was, was always we talk about Judas, you know, and, and a lot of people associate the word Judas with traitor, which is you know earned. But the fact that Judas ministered with him, he walked with him, and Judas was sent out and was able to do things that no one else was do could do because of the power of Jesus Christ. One of his inner circle, and he betrayed him. And then that next day when Jesus was sentenced, having no crime, and, and put on a cruel Roman cross and died. All leading up to, of course, setting up Resurrection Sunday, which we'll celebrate together next week. But think about just kind of the events of Holy Week, if you will, during your meditations this week. There's some really good devotionals out there and some other things that will help. And uh, we'll try to post some things this week that might help you, some tools maybe, uh, to help you through this time as you ponder the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and what Holy Week means leading up to Easter. Have a great week. We look forward to seeing you back here next week. I want to have a, a word of prayer as we close out, and then we'll, we'll close out this stream. Lord, we just thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for the cross, and we thank you for the message and the power and the blood of Jesus Christ to know that we are covered and that we, are, we don't have to be broken any longer because of the unbrokenness that comes from knowing Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and living for him. Father, help us this week to think more about how we can be the body of Christ, how we can be sanctified in your service. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.